0: important thing is not to approach it with the idea that you're going to do it perfectly because nobody does nutrition perfectly. It's impossible. So oftentimes where people fall down is where they set themselves up with a perfect plan and then they can't adhere to it. So it's all about doing those things that have... Uh, the biggest bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. So those things that happen every day, those are the things to look at. And it doesn't really matter what you do for your birthday mm-hmm. or what you do. <laughs> I'm laughing because Fliss, of course, had a birthday <laughs> very recently. Yes, did. And, uh, you know, what you do for Christmas, those those sort of things. If You're not going to eat perfectly all the time, but certainly during times of stress, during times where, you know, you have this additional burden, something comes up with your children, with your parents, whatever. You maybe can't do things perfectly, and don't let that be the stop to what you're doing overall. Mm -mm.
1: Hello friends and thank you for joining me for the way forward podcast brought to you by me fliss goldsmith and co-design coaching where we create your optimal life together today i am glad to be joined by the experienced dietitian nutrition and genetics specialist sasha landsgrone Sasha, welcome to The Way Forward and thank you for agreeing to come and have a chat with us today. Hi, Fliss. Thanks very much for inviting me on today. You're so welcome. Now, Sasha's here to talk to us about the role of nutrition on our emotional well-being and mental health, as well as our physical bodies. But before we enter that fascinating arena, let me share some of what I know about Sasha. She has over 20 years' experience as a dietitian, registered with the British Dietetic Association and Healthcare Professions Council, and she's worked with more than 20,000 patients. Sasha has seen all ages, from infants right through to the elderly. She now runs her thriving personalised nutrition business, UniNutrition, and she lectures on the subject for leading universities. Outside of her groundbreaking work, she is happiest spending time outdoors with her partner and her children. That is quite the impressive resume, Sasha.
0: Thank you very much. Well, I have been doing this now for more than 20 years. Yeah, um, I bet you've stacked up a lot
1: of um, interesting experiences in that see, time.
0: <laughs> you see a lot of people and you see a lot of conditions in 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 a couple of decades. Yeah, for sure. Now,
1: nutrition is something that obviously affects all of us, but I'm hearing a lot of media buzz recently, specifically around the gut-brain axis. So can you break down what that means and why that should be important to us, please? Absolutely.
0: So we have a lot of language to describe that, how we feel. We often feel it in our Digestive system. So, I've got a nervous tummy, or I've got butterflies in my tummy, that sort of thing. And it was all sort of just thought to be language, but actually, we know now that there's science behind that. So, okay. you've probably heard a lot about the microbiome, mm-hmm. and that is essentially for anybody who doesn't know what that is, we are made up of lots of bacteria. So, we've got bacteria everywhere on our skin, in our nose. Um, and mostly in our digestive tract. And it's not just bacteria, it's viruses and um, fungus and other sorts of organisms. And it makes up at least a kilo um, in the digestive tract. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. And if you break a human body down to a cellular level, we're actually made up of as many bacterial cells as we are human cells kind of amazing isn't it so on some level we're just vectors for other (laughs) organisms and uh you can kind of think about it a little bit about we really have a responsibility to take care (laughs) of that internal world and and it it resides largely in the in the large intestine Mm -hmm. and we know that this microbiome um not only is it important for digestion, but it also makes up about 60% of our immune system and 90% of our serotonin. That's the feel-good chemical that is um, used in the brain, makes us feel calm and happy, and a lot of antidepressants act on serotonin reuptake mm. inhibition. So um, the the microbiome has got a really, really important role in digestion, immunity, and brain health. But we know that actually this microbiome talks directly to the brain and the brain to the microbiome via the vagus nerve, and that's what the gut-brain access is.
1: Ah, I'm nodding away here because (laughs) this is all clicking into place for me. Um, Now, I specifically suffer from Um, inflammatory bowel disease. So when Mm -hmm. you're talking there about the large intestine and things like that, that's where I'm sort of really keyed into this because it's something that affects me on a very personal level. And I, I know a little bit about it, but obviously I'm loving learning more about it. But it's not just people with inflammatory bowel disease or gut conditions that need to think about their gut-brain axis, about their microbiome, about their nutrition, is it? It's something Mm -hmm. that
0: everyone should prioritize, am I right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of people just don't know about it or maybe ignore it or don't realize that how they're feeling could actually be, um, the source of that could be from their digestive system um, or the, the microbiome that resides within. The other thing that is really interesting, and it's sort of related, sort of different. But there's now this understanding that mental and physical health conditions, well, there's, they're really under the same umbrella. Mm. And so it used to be that people would develop depression, and then they would be more likely to get things like type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease, or they would develop chronic health conditions like cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and they would be more likely to have mental health issues. And the thinking for a long time was that, well, you know, if you're depressed, you're maybe not taking such good care of yourself, and then that leads to health issues. Or, well, of course you're depressed, you've got a health issue. Mm. But what we know now is that actually, there's this emerging understanding that the, the chronic physical and mental health conditions could actually stem from a lack of energy to the cells, a lack of mitochondria that's the powerhouse in the cells. And that when they're properly energized, you have better brain health and you have better body health. Yeah. So all of that kind of fits in with the microbiome because how we digest things affects how we produce energy for the body and certainly how we get the energy into the cells matters. And it matters not just for physical health but for mental health.
1: And I think that's
0: a really important
1: thing that we're not separating Mm -hmm. mental health Mm -hmm. conditions from physical health conditions. Mm -hmm. And as you're saying, the science to back that up, it's not just, you know, something Mm -hmm. we're plucking out of the air. This is a real thing that these are sort of feeding into each other. Mm -hmm. Pardon the pun for the feeding, Mm -hmm. but you you know what I mean. Um, And I think that that's so important and that everybody needs to prioritise that, right, to, Mm. to support their mental and emotional Mm well-being. I think the thing that sort of pings into the air when I'm thinking about everybody prioritizing this is time. Mm-hmm. time is probably the number one thing in the modern world that people don't feel they've got enough of uh, mm-hmm. we're both mums we <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the parenting load <clears throat> excuse me the parenting load is quite stacked isn't it the things mm-hmm. that we have to do absolutely and remember on a daily hourly minute by minute basis um and and it is for everyone in some way you know if you've got a demanding career or you're caring for an elderly relative or there's so many challenges so is it easy to make nutritional changes for yourself? Um, you know, if you've got to think about making it for the whole family, how do
0: people prioritize this, but in a time effective way? Yeah, that's really, really important to consider. And um, I, I heard somebody say a little while ago that time is the new wealth. Mm. <laughs> there's just never enough of it. Yeah. And and a lot of us are, are time poor. Uh I think the important thing is not to approach it with the idea that you're going to do it perfectly because nobody does nutrition perfectly. It's impossible. So oftentimes where people fall down is where they set themselves up with a perfect plan and then they can't adhere to it. So it's all about doing those things that have... Uh, the biggest bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. So those things that happen every day, those are the things to look at. And it doesn't really matter what you do for your birthday mm-hmm. or what you do. <laughs> I'm laughing because Fliss, of course, had a birthday <laughs> very recently. Yes, I did. And, uh, you know, what you do for Christmas, those those sort of things. If You're not going to eat perfectly all the time, but certainly during times of stress, during times where, you know, you have this additional burden, something comes up with your children, with your parents, whatever. You maybe can't do things perfectly, and don't let that be the stop to what you're doing overall. So, I'm a real big fan of quick meals, and they don't have to take a long time to be nutritious. Slow cookers are amazing. Yes, you can throw in a load of vegetables and some protein, put it on in the morning, and then it's ready for you when you get home. Um, if you want, if you've got an older recipe book or a recipe book that's maybe not quite as nutritious and it's got things in it like stews or soups or something like that. Mm. You can you can double the vegetables for most recipes and it still works. And similarly with baking, you can reduce the sugar by up to 50%, certainly yeah. by 30% and it doesn't affect the taste and it can be up by to 50%. So there's lots of shortcuts to the things that you do all the time. If you just double the veg and cut the sugar by half in the recipes that you're using, or, you know, say you're getting ready meals or something like that, add some extra vegetables. That is quick and easy, and it can be effective. And it doesn't have to always be fresh vegetables. The vegetables that are um, frozen or even tinned, they're generally picked ripe. Yeah. not ripened in a boat or in a warehouse or something like that so so they and then they're flash frozen or, or tinned right away so never feel like you're doing anything wrong by using frozen or tinned vegetables it's definitely a way to to add in some nutrition
1: yeah and and that can be sort of um quite an economic mm-hmm. way to do things as well mm-hmm. can't it absolutely um and i really love what you're saying there in that it it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to be
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the time perfect, you know, because especially now we are flooded with social media images mm-hmm. of the, you know, the the perfect breakfast on Instagram and, you know, ways to the perfect body on Facebook. And you just think it seems overwhelming. So mm-hmm. it's really lovely that what you're saying to us listening to this today is that, you know, actually doing something is better than doing nothing at all Absolutely, and that you don't have to be frightened of getting it wrong or making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I guess actually it could be quite fun experimenting with new recipes, you know, trying to change something. I actually used um, <laughs> beetroot mm-hmm. in a chocolate cake for the first time Make a it. couple of weeks ago it's really delicious. It's really, really tasty. And the children didn't even know the beetroot was in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, perfect. That's, <laughs> it's really good advice. So just to do something small that goes in with what you're doing already in your life and build it up mm-hmm. from there. I think it's really good advice. So could you give us then... A real example of how a change in nutrition has yielded real results in terms of, say, mental and emotional
0: health and well-being. Well, there's loads of examples, really, but I think um, a couple of things for people to think about, really, is that if if you're thinking about feeding your microbiome mm. and I can uh, describe what that means. You want to be feeding it fiber and phytonutrients. So the colorful versions of foods, so fruits and vegetables, things that are brightly colored are high in phytonutrients, and that's what the good bacteria in your digestive system eats. Ah. Um, The bad bacteria eats processed foods, and it's um, negatively affected by processed foods that have emulsifiers in and artificial sweeteners and things like that. That sort of feeds the bad bacteria, if you think about it as a of a kind of almost like a marvel comics sort of good versus evil <laughs> that's literally what's going more... through my
1: head yeah. i've got these little guys and my yeah. intestine fighting each other eating different foods mm. so it's a really good visual
0: it's um yeah it's slightly more complicated than that but not really You know, really, just feed it with the good food and starve the bad bacteria by not feeding them Mm -hmm. the junk wherever possible. But, you know, there are so many examples of this I've seen in people of all ages where they get into the rut of eating ultra-processed foods all day and they make these little changes. And it it can have a real positive knock-on effect on physical and mental health. And so much so, and this is a really interesting thing, I need to probably, if there's any psychologists listening, mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to know the name of this phenomenon. But I have seen so many times where people who are in really poor physical and mental health and they make these changes and improve their well-being, they actually can't remember how bad they felt before. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and you, know, you ask them about, about their chronic pain, for mm-hmm. example. Oh, Yeah did have chronic pain but there's something amazing the body is able to forget or the brain is able to mm. forget but there's something that i am really passionate about at the moment and i mentioned about this mitochondrial dysfunction and the lack of cellular energy if people want to read a little bit more about that um there's an excellent book out by a harvard psychiatrist called chris palmer and the book is called brain energy okay. it's just if you read one book this year a non-fiction book that's what i would recommend because it really explains mental and physical health from a cellular point of view, but in an easy-to-understand way and then what you can do about it. So as part of this bigger picture, there is a movement um, that's happening within psychiatry particularly, but in other aspects of physical health for sure, using a ketogenic diet. That's one that's really low in carbohydrates, moderate in protein and very high in fat, healthy fat. Mm -hmm. And it's been shown that when your body is eating in this way, produces ketones, which circulate around the body, and the cells of the brain in particular prefer the ketones to sugar as an energy source. So it can have a real positive effect on mental health, and I'm actually an associate of the London Psychiatry Clinic. And we're using ketogenic diets for complex mental health conditions. There's particularly good evidence for its use in bipolar disorder. Wow. Um, but also schizophrenia and major depressive disorder. So it's very interesting how diet can affect mental health really, really impressively. And I can't really give any specific examples, but you um, it's. It is incredible to see the difference in people who maybe, you know, were not functioning, not able to work because of their mental health issues, and now are. Wow. Because of diet. Now, what I would say is that if you have a complex mental health condition, please, please, please don't start a ketogenic diet. Mm. You need. You need your medications. You need your psychiatrist. Um, And it's not appropriate for everybody. There are some risks involved. But if you do want to know more about it, you can go to the London Psychiatry Clinic website or just Google Keto Mind. One word, Keto Mind. And you can read more about the program there. It's really sort of, Mm -hmm.
1: it's quite a hopeful thought, isn't it? That we can support mental health conditions with the foods that we eat Mm -hmm. in the way that we eat. Mm -hmm. It sounds so simple and yet it can have such profound differences Mm -hmm. and it's so good i think now that people are latching onto that idea and prioritizing those areas of study so that we can find out more about this Mm -hmm. and as you say you know personalized nutrition is very much your thing it's about each Mm -hmm. individual and their needs and their specific situation um and that is a core ethic of yours. So I know that giving blanket statements is not going to really be possible. But are there are there a few simple do's and don'ts around nutrition that people could sort of, you know, keep an easy kind of tick list in their head, if you like, on a, you know, if we thought about a typical day, things that they should do and things that maybe try not to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's lots that people can do. and And we probably have been a little bit misled by the food industry, um, attempted, encouraged, coerced into buying things because of what they look like on the package. And there's a lot of psychology goes into this. So if a company wants you to think a food is healthier, they will put it in a light-colored package. If they want you to think it's luxurious, they will put it in a dark, a brown, a purple-colored package. And so we automatically attribute a certain quality to food based on how it's packaged. So, for example, neither of these are health foods, but Coke is in a red tin. Mm -hmm. Diet Coke is in a slightly lighter tin, with um, my apologies to the company. We might need to edit that one out, Fliss. (laughs) (laughs) Let me restate that. Okay, we'll take take that (laughs) one again. (laughs) So, going back to how foods are packaged, if you think about fizzy drinks... They're not health foods. No. But regular sugar-containing fizzy drinks are in a darker tin. Yeah. The diet, sugar-free versions, are in a lighter tin Mm. or bottle. Now, you could argue that one is not healthier than the other, or one is or one isn't, but we attribute that to to the product based on the color of it. So on top of that they put health claims on the mm. foods. And generally speaking, any packaged food that has a health claim is probably not good for you. <laughs> because they have to, you know, methinks thou do protest too, too much. much. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Uh, but what's happened is we have a food system that is that is contains a lot of ultra-processed foods. And the ultra-processed foods now have been associated very strongly with shown to cause chronic health conditions, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, early death. It's significant mm. and it's real. It's So they're best avoided. We all use ultra-processed foods from time to time because mm-hmm. of the convenience, but it shouldn't be the the mainstay of the diet now there is a lot of confusion around the difference between what's processed foods and what's ultra processed foods so i can clarify that if that's absolutely i would love that because i mean i Mm -hmm.
1: tend to think i know quite a bit about um foods and nutrition but i wouldn't be able to
0: tell you the difference there Mm -hmm. so yes please yeah so we have processed foods in our Mm -hmm. you know we've been processing foods for tens of thousands of years milk gets turned into yogurt you know chickens get plucked, Mm -hmm. Um, berries get turned into jam. Those are all things that if you wanted to, you could do in your own house, right? Mm -hmm. In your own kitchen. But there is a certain aspect of processing that you couldn't do in your own house. So when you read the ingredient list, the ingredient list tells you everything that you need to know about the food. It's listed in descending order by weight. So the first ingredient is present in the largest amount the last ingredient present in the least amount. But if there's anything in that list that you can't pronounce or you can't buy in a supermarket, then it's an ultra-processed food. It contains chemicals that were made in a lab to extend the the life of the food, um, to make it taste better. And some aspects of of what they add to food actually make it more addictive because it's sweet Mm. or there's something else in it that that really increases the palatability so that's the key thing the difference between processed and ultra processed is processed you could do in your house or in your kitchen ultra processed you wouldn't be able to and if you if something comes in an airtight package like a cereal or a cereal bar um, chocolate bar those kind of things um, biscuits cakes if it comes in a in a airtight package and you open it up and it sits on your counter for a week and it doesn't rot then generally speaking that's an ultra processed food if the bacteria in your kitchen doesn't want to eat it then (laughs) you shouldn't want to eat it either then it's really probably
1: not that good is it no that's that's a really helpful distinction if you couldn't you know carry out that process (laughs) in your home if it's had those chemicals added to it to create it in that way That is an Mm ultra-processed foods, and they're the ones that we should
0: really be aware of. Really be aware of, yeah. Yeah. And they're rife in children's diets. Um, They're promoted directly to children, to parents, and sometimes even as a health food, breakfast cereals being being a major one. Um, They are promoted as being a health food, but when you really look at what they contain, um, and you couldn't produce those kind of things in your kitchen
1: in that way. So I'm thinking, actually, just of an example there. So um, with breakfast cereals, because absolutely, I, you know, it's a quick, it's an easy breakfast. Two minutes. (laughs) Two minutes, it's in the bowl. And on a busy morning, that's what, you know, you reach Mm -hmm. for. Could you give us an example of um, an alternative breakfast, a breakfast that would be better than a Mm -hmm. bowl of cereal for us? Yeah,
0: sure. I talk about this a lot. I mean, essentially... Uh, And this ties in with your earlier question about what are the basic principles. Mm. So avoiding ultra-processed foods. Uh, But if you can, each time you eat, try and get some protein and try and get some fiber. So when you eat protein and fiber, it slows your digestion down. You actually take less energy from the food, less calories from the food, Mm. but it feeds your microbiome particularly if you've got fiber. So any kind of breakfast where you've got a protein, any meal really where you've got a protein and you've got some fiber, so um, yogurt Mm -hmm. with berries, nuts and seeds, that sort of thing, Mm. Um, eggs with omelets that have got some vegetables in, those are all um, really, really healthy ways to to start the day. Um, You can use large flake porridge, put some berries on it, that's really good at this yeah. time of year, especially. <laughs> yeah. Really nice and warm. Yeah. Mixing in ground flaxseed or linseed. I mean, there's, there's a million different kinds of seeds out there. And some of this is going to be easier for people than others. Some of this will feel okay, will feel familiar. Mm. Um, but even just switching to a bread that is whole grain, Yeah. Um, ideally not supermarket Mm ultra-processed bread, but a bread that's whole protein with some nut butters on or some eggs. That's a way of getting the protein and the fiber in.
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, nut butter on toast, that's nice and quick. That's (laughs) not going to take you any longer than the cereal, really, is it? So that's a really... Good thing that you can do. I'm guessing hydration is important in mm-hmm. nutrition as well, because mm-hmm. um, I was thinking when you were talking about sweeteners and things, squash. You know that children squash, and uh, I mean adults mm-hmm. drink squash. Anybody, mm-hmm. but um, there's a lot of sweeteners in those. The sugar-free ones that again claim to be better for you because mm-hmm. they don't have sugar in, but the replacement is—is is that worse?
0: You know, mm, I do get asked this question a lot about the difference between sugar and artificial sugars. And I think it really depends what you're trying to achieve. So for somebody who's got digestive issues, um, perhaps mental and physical health issues, and you're not having a lot of sugar, but you're having a lot of artificial sugar, well, that can have an impact on your health. It can impact your microbiome in a negative way. But also, you know, for people who are trying to lose weight, the taste of sugar Mm. and that sensation releases insulin in the body, which makes you put on more weight and helps to lay down body fat, drives hunger and everything like that. So if people are choosing things that are sugar-free instead of sugar, it might not be particularly helpful from a weight loss perspective or a digestive Mm. perspective. But it depends, you know, so... I have had patients who have been drinking, you know, two liters of fizzy cola a day. Mm. And to give up caffeine and sugar is going to be too difficult. So sometimes artificial sugars can be that bridge between where you are and where you want to go. Yeah. But in the long term, having lots of artificial sweeteners is. Really, not a good idea. Mm. If it's a bridge, if it's a stepping stone, that's fine. Or if it's an occasional thing, just like sugar, that's fine. Yeah. But um, it's not something to be relied on. And and certainly as a kind of main drink for children, it's a little bit concerning because lots of kids have got problems with health and problems with mm. weight and yeah problems with satiety as well. So it you know could be driven by drinking a lot of these artificial sweeteners. And it certainly can affect digestion. Yeah. Yeah. So water is best, I'm guessing. Yeah. Or, you know, just slowly dilute the squash. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Just take it down a
0: little bit at a Mm -hmm. time
1: because, you know, I've got two children, my daughter she just drinks water. Um, Mm -hmm. Occasionally, she'll have a glass of milk, but uh, Mm -hmm. that's her drink. She doesn't really like anything else. Whereas my son, it's very difficult to get him to just drink water on its own. He much prefers to have it flavoured. And I've I've tried, you know, um, different things like using um, a pure apple juice and just putting a bit of that in. So, it, I guess it is. It's just playing around with different things, and as you say, just reducing it maybe, and um, swapping in a, a water here and there or something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in, I think you know, for kids, a lot of the times they just really want to be in control, don't they? Mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they, that, that's almost a whole nother episode. I, I was kind of approaching this from a from an adult point yeah. of view, but yeah, but really with children and how they eat. Um, and particularly children who are neurodiverse or have sensory issues, they can become highly dependent on ultra-processed foods. Mm. And there's a whole another aspect of sensory sensitivities we could talk about. I was going to say, I, I think that that episode. we're definitely going to have to dive into that. Um, but but just going back to the the water, and I think you know a lot of it with kids is about control and they want to have the drink that they're familiar with and, mm. they, you know, they want to be able to to choose that. But if you're trying to get kids to drink more water, you can flavor it with sort of exciting things or give them the option. Excuse me. <coughs> have a drink. Just going to have a drink of water yeah. now. Mm. So you can flavor water with things like um, cucumber. Mm-hmm. Um, strawberries or raspberries, um, lemon-lime, even cinnamon sticks and so, yeah, it's really nice. So even, um, and there's a bit of evidence too that having cinnamon helps to regulate blood sugar control so that even blood sugar control leads to even energy levels. I'm gonna try that one.
1: I like the sound of cinnamon in water. So
0: if you have a little selection of things that your child can choose to put in their water, then they get some of that control some of that yeah. choice. And um, it's a little bit of fun. It is, isn't it? And I, now I'm going I'm, to,
1: I'm sort of like staying on this question because it's really intriguing me. When thinking from an adult
0: perspective, does tea and coffee count as hydration? Yes, it does. So there is this perception that um, the caffeine dehydrates you and it does. Caffeine makes you wee more. Mm. But um, it's, the volume is made up by the the volume of fluid that you have. So you don't, if you just have a caffeine tablet, that's going to dehydrate you unless you drink with it. But if you have coffee or tea, there's some fluid in that. So that's, yeah, okay, that's that's reassuring. I can hear
1: people <laughs> breathing a sigh of relief, thinking they don't have to give up their uh, tea and coffee in completeness. They can, you know, you know, maybe add an extra glass of water here and there, but it's it's fine to have the tea and mm-hmm. the coffee. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're doing shots of espresso, of espresso <laughs> <laughs> that's a different matter. Different <laughs> matter, yeah. No, I'm just, I'm very British. If I don't have my cup of tea in the morning, I'm not very um, useful for the rest of the day. Um, so... I'm really interested in this particular question here. I see emotional well-being as the baseline for everything in our lives. If we've got resilient, self-aware, flexible emotional fitness, then we're going to be in the best position to deal with our day-to-day and the bigger situations that life throws at us. So I want to ask, is there a role for supplements to our diet or should we be able to get everything we need from what
0: we eat? That's an excellent question and actually um, just last week I was doing um, an online presentation to a whole bunch of psychiatrists at Psychiatry UK and they asked the same question. So incidentally, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I should just do a little plug as well for do Psychiatry that. UK do because if you are somebody who is in the process or waiting for a diagnosis of autism or ADHD or some other neuro- neurodiversity, um, you do have the right to choose. So it's probably worthwhile looking at Psychiatry UK because some um, sometimes people are waiting for a long time and you can um, sometimes have a faster diagnosis by looking at a different way of assessment or sorry not necessarily a faster diagnosis a faster assessment yeah
1: I think that'd be really helpful actually to a lot of people listening so that's psychiatry UK Mm -hmm. perfect thank you and um
0: what I think is interesting about that question and what those psychiatrists wanted to know as well is because people come in and they say you know I'm trying ashwagandha I'm trying lion's Mm -hmm. mane you know is is this is this is this going to work for me Mm. And there's, there's some great interesting res- research in both of those supplements, um, and we do see clinical effects, but if you think about supplements, they're sort of the tip of the pyramid. Okay. And the best supplement regime in the world will not compensate for a rubbish diet. Yeah. <laughs> so if people are getting the base of the pyramid right, They're going to have a bigger effect from that. If they're cutting out ultra-processed foods, if they're including fiber and protein with each meal, if they're getting 30 plant foods a week. If you listen to the Zoe podcast, they talk a lot about this, 30 plant foods a week. And so that's fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains, um, and other things that are plant-derived, herbs, spices, Mm -hmm. soya, all of that. That's the base of the pyramid, If you then have got that sorted most of the time and you're looking at different types of supplements, well, it's probably worth trying some of these things. But the thing to remember about the supplement industry is that it is regulated like a food, but people ascribe the benefits like you would a medication. So it's slightly dodgy. Yeah. Dodgy. Um, situation to be in when you're taking supplements because you don't necessarily know if it contains what it says it contains mm. or if there's any you know, potential side effects, if it's going to work for you, if it's not going to work for you. The one thing that I would say is important is vitamin D3. That's the sunshine vitamin, and yeah. we don't get enough of it in the north. It's not because it's cloudy, but it's because we're so far north. That yes. The vector angle of the sun isn't adequate for us to produce it in our skin. And if you wear sunscreen, if you cover your skin, if you have darker skin, you're going to produce less vitamin D, active vitamin D. So it is a good idea, and there's national guidance that everybody, cradle to grave, really needs vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be
1: a a good one to reach for if you are going to add something Mm -hmm. in. Yeah. So I want to ask you, and this is really difficult because we're all about empowerment here on the way forward. If you could give the listeners one thing that you want them to do today to start, you know, building this more positive relationship with nutrition and its importance in our lives, what what would it be i'm really sorry to put you on the spot but what would it what would it be if you could ask somebody out there to do one thing today
0: well that's just it fliss it's do one thing
1: oh i love
0: it <laughs> <laughs> okay do one thing do one th- um, now i think it's different for everyone so there will be some of your listeners are real health optimizers mm. and they are buying organic food and home cooking everything and they're counting their 30 plant foods a week and all of that um and some of your listeners well you know maybe they have a takeaway most days of the Mm -hmm. week and they're you know drinking a lot of fizzy drinks and other things like that and so whoever you are whatever you are just take one thing maybe that you've learned about today or that you've read in a book that you feel is a good source of information, and just try one thing and see how you feel. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but just take one step. And if it's something that you do all the time, every day, and you change that one thing, that's gonna have a much bigger effect than um, a small thing that you do once a week. I think that makes
1: it really accessible as well. It's not overwhelming. It's one thing. Mm-hmm. Try it. It doesn't need to be perfect, mm-hmm. but just give it a go. And it's that it's that whole adage, isn't it, that something is better than nothing. If we don't do anything about our nutritional status, then we're never going to get any closer to feeling any of those benefits because we haven't changed anything. But if we did one thing, mm-hmm. then we might get just that little bit closer um Sasha honestly I could talk to you all day because your energy your passion your knowledge about nutrition it's just so uplifting um and I definitely definitely if you would if you would do me the honor I would love to have you back because I can think about four different podcast episodes (laughs) that we could get out of this on different areas and it is fascinating it truly is fascinating um so if you want to find out more about Sasha's work and her services that she offers, head over to her website. It's Uninutrition.co.uk, and um, you will definitely find something there that you know you will be able to add into your life with benefit. So, thank you, thank you so much for coming along today. Okay. It's um, been great to be here. Thanks so much, Bliss. Honestly, it's it's been a it's been a real eye opener. I've got light bulbs. Ding ding ding. Um, And of course, if anybody listening wants to work on anything relating to your emotional well-being and empowerment in a fully supported way, then just head to co-designwithfliss.com and we can talk more about creating that future that you hope for. Now, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Now we know more about nutrition and now we know the way forward. I'm